You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Fly the W670 podcast. We are calling this one the Cubs Golden Glovers. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show, 670 The Score. We are on live from 530 to 10 a.m. And, of course, we are your radio home for Cubs baseball. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast and follow all of our socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Or email us, flythew670 at gmail.com. Crowley, how are you on this Thursday? I am doing magnificent. Uh, just to let you know, I did get my spring training tickets, so I will be out for another season and in sunny Mesa, Arizona. Look at you. I did see I got an email saying, would you like to uh, purchase some Cubs spring training tickets, and you are already locked and loaded. When are you going? I am going the 7th through the 12th. 7th through the 12th. So I'm leaving Tuesday night, getting into Mesa. Wednesday morning, I'm watching the Cubs take on uh, Canada. The World Baseball Classic Team Canada is going okay. to be there. And then I got, I know, a game against the White Sox and then another against the Reds. And then I'm still debating about adding another to try to. I haven't, I've never been to uh, the Dodgers Park. They split one with the White Sox. White Sox, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Okay. Yep, they split it with the White Sox. So I've never been there, so I'm kind of kicking around, but they usually sell out. You know, they're the, you know, the Cubs and Dodgers are usually the two big sellers in uh, Arizona. And that one's, uh, that's Camelback, right? Yeah, Camelback Ranch, yeah. Gotcha. All right, beautiful. So, as we said, this is Season 2, Episode 2. We're calling this one the Cubs' Golden Glovers. And, Crawley, the Cubs have officially added a couple of more gold glovers to the roster. Yeah, it was Odyssey insider John Heyman who first mentioned Tuesday that Eric Hosmer was close to signing with the Cubs. And then Jesse Rogers on Wednesday broke the news that Hosmer and the Cubs had breached a contract agreement. So... The details are one year at the league minimum of $720,000. That's all the Cubs are on the hook for, okay? Um, For people, you know, when I first heard it, Dustin, I kind of, I said on Twitter, you know, it's kind of like... I loved, I loved your tweet, by the way. Tell everybody what it was. I won't spoil it, but I will say if you you were listening to Mully and Haw, and it was either on Wednesday or today, you heard me reference my... uh, Fly the W670 partner, uh, Crawley's tweet, and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I just said it's like my mom trying to tell me that these vegetables taste good. Like, don't tell me that. It's that's that's, that's not accurate, man. That's 
they don't taste good and Eric Cosmer's not that great. Um, you know, clearly he was a good player at one time. He was a key member of the KC Royals team that appeared in the World Series in 14, winning it in 2015. And then after the 2017 season, Hosmer signed a massive eight-year, $144 million deal with San Diego. Obviously, he never lived up to that contract. Last year, he was traded to Boston after the Padres completed the Juan Soto trade. Remember, he was supposed to go to the Nationals, and he refused that. And that ended up, ended up going to, to, the, to the Red Sox. He played for the Red Sox, and they released him. And so last season, he slashed 258, 334, 382. Now, when you look at that, you don't you say 268, not bad. 334 on base, eh. But the slug, 382, that's awful. That's eight, terrible. Eight that's home, terrible. Eight home runs. And for those of you that would get annoyed about um, Jason Hayward, Jason Hayward had a ground ball rate of right around 47%. And, and Hayward had, you know, and, and uh, Hosmer had one at about 56%. So he hits the ball on the ground a lot. Now there may be a little bit of a benefit. He's a lefty and there's no shift anymore. So that may help him, but it did, doesn't really help in the power department. So this move right now is really similar to the Cody Bellinger move in a lot of ways. What is it? It's a bridge signing, right? You're hoping that both players can bounce back to, to uh, revert to an earlier form, right? You're hoping that both are good defense defenders that have struggled offensively. The difference is Bellinger is still really young with a lot of upside, whereas Hosmer's at the tail end of the, his career. So, you know, the question that a lot of Cub fans have been asking is, what does this mean for Matt Mervis, okay? Both are left-handed, power-hitting first baseman. And so I think that really the chances are that Mervis will start the season in Iowa. Um, Matt Mervis played college ball at Duke, but he's only played two seasons in the minors, right? Um, one of them was bad, and then last season was really, really good. And so, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. It's not like, you know, Matt Mervis was Chris Bryant that year that they did the service time manipulation when it was when if you went to Mesa that year in, in 2015, 2015, it was absolutely clear that Chris Bryant was one of the best players on the field. No doubt about it. None. None. Okay, I think it was Mike Alt got that third base spot. <laughs> but, uh, Mike Alt. Yeah. For <laughs> nice grab. Nice grab from your pocket. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it, I don't think that the case is as clear as, you know, Chris Bryant was a blue chip prospect. You know, he was clearly one of the best players drafted. All the, you know, uh, rookie, uh, minor league player of the year, all this stuff, college player of the year before that. There is no doubt that Chris Bryant was 100% major league ready. You can't say with the Matt, the same with Matt Mervis, as excited as everybody is. So, I mean, is the move of signing Eric Hosmer going to excite me? No. Do I 100% understand it? Yeah, like I said, you know, let's let's kind of, you know, pump the brakes it, it, with the Matt Mervis Express. It's exciting. And look, he's going to have a chance coming out of spring training, but he's going to have to really prove it. You know what I mean? Right. So a couple things here. We're going to we're going to get into a little bit of an argument, a little disagreement, and you can clear it up cuz you you are definitely more tapped into this than I am. But let, let's start with I'm going to start with a couple of the <clears throat> why I don't hate the deal, okay? Mm-hmm. 720,000. That's all the Cubs are on the hook for, which, you know, to most of us, that's a ton of money. But in baseball terms, it's like $2.50. Okay. 
the Padres are paying the big portion of his salary. So that's the first biggest difference between Hosmer and Cody Bellinger. It's seven, about $16 million is about the difference between the two of them. Um, I believe Bellinger's ceiling is much higher. Um, hopefully Hosmer is a guy that stays healthy. And I'll also give you the check mark on he's a left-handed hitting first baseman. And with the shift, maybe that will be beneficial to him. But maybe you misspoke, and I misspeak all the time. But you said they are both left-handed power-hitting first basemen. I, I don't think that's accurate anymore. I, I think his power is gone. I, I, I don't know if he got a haircut. I, I don't think the power is there. And you mentioned in the slugging, and he only had eight home runs. But maybe a change of pace, right? But here's where I'm confused. Matt Mervis is what? A lefty, right? Cody Bellinger is what? A lefty. Eric Hosmer is a lefty. I thought I thought they were looking for a reasonably priced right-handed hitting first baseman so that they could get Matt Mervis up here. Because, listen, Cody Bellinger is going to play 130 games in center field if everything goes right, correct? Right. So I, I just that's the part I don't understand. What is wrong with Trey Mancini? It, what, what, why are people not into Trey Mancini? Now, the latest rumor was that he was going to go to the Nationals in between the last couple podcasts that we did. And now all of a sudden, they're not interested. They have pivoted. The Nationals have pivoted away from Trey Mancini. So I just don't understand, other than the 720000 because Trey Mancini's not going to play for 720000 what's wrong with Trey Mancini? That's a really good question. Uh, you and I are both high on him. He had a really good career in Baltimore. He was beloved there, and then he struggled when he came over to Houston, right? But you're talking about a, a small sample size. But a right-handed actually still has some power, will put the ball in the air, Notre Dame guy, family still in the area, would love to play at Wrigley Field. I, I'm just checking boxes here, Crowley. I'm checking boxes. I'm checking boxes. I, I just don't get it. There, there must be, is there a medical, I, you know, what is it? The only thing I can think of is that he's looking for a longer-term deal, and we talked how the Cubs didn't want to block that path, which right. is why we talked before about you know Jose Abreu at the time being one of the clear best candidates that we both liked. Um, and so you know it, it's that would be my guess with Mancini is he's looking for a four or five six you know four or five year deal. Let's put it there. And I, I just don't think the Cubs were very interested in that, and, I, and maybe other teams are not as well. Right. Well, maybe, just maybe, if we're playing the maybe game, maybe nobody wants to give him four-plus years, and so maybe he will uh, fall back to the Cubs, and then they would have that right-handed. But, Crowley, I mean, they still need a right-handed bat to play first base unless they're going to play Patrick Wisdom some at, at first base, unless that's the plan. Like, he's your... He, again, I don't know how Hosmer does. I didn't look into it. Maybe you know off the top of your head or you looked into it. I mean, is Hosmer... Is Hosmer okay against the the right-handed pit? You know what I mean. Is he okay with the splits? Is he is he all right? Is that not a lie? They were specifically said Mervis isn't going to hit against that style pitcher, right? That that was the deal. Right, and and so you know, honestly, Hosmer hasn't hit much against anybody lately. But <laughs> you know, it, it, I, I, I honestly just think it really is going to be that a, a platoon of wisdom and um, Hosmer at first. That you know, wisdom showed that he can play. Uh, first base. He has, he's really good athletically, defensively, Patrick Wisdom is, and he still has pop. Now he strikes out a little bit too much, but at the same time with this team and then looking for places where Morrell can play third base, 
I, I, that's what I see happening. I don't see them picking up Trey Mancini. I see that. I, I think that they're pretty much done other than grabbing a few relievers, um, you know, that they can probably get. But, you know, the one thing that the Cubs like to do is leave themselves a little bit of space in case something does come up during the year. You've seen that happen in the past. Uh, Nick Castellanos is a good example. Cole Hamels is a good example. So you don't, right now the Cubs are about 20 million away from that first budget tax, right? Uh, and so if all of a sudden, let's say some player pops open, right? And all of a sudden you got to add them to your roster. You don't want to go over the luxury tax. You leave yourself a little bit of wiggle room, which is what I think they're doing at this point right now. Right. Okay. I just, I, I'm going to go back and like your tweet, Crowley. I, I retweeted it, I believe. I'll go back and like it and love it. Um, it, it just, and I like vegetables. So you didn't have to twist my arm to eat vegetables, really. There's really only one vegetable I don't like, and that's peas. Um, I like them. It doesn't matter. Um, Never had a salad in my life, Dustin. Oh my gosh. I almost, I almost eat a salad on a daily basis. I, I go out to eat and I order salads. My diet is essentially baseball and bar food. <laughs> yeah, well, what are you gonna do? neither one neither one of us are going to be uh, underwear models anytime soon. But we, we digress. All right, so that's what's going on now at first base. But the Cubs also yesterday introduced another gold glover, Tucker Barnhart. Right, with Tucker Barnhart, he's going to be the backup for Gomes. He had an introductory press conference. Um, it was live on marquee, but it wasn't in person. It was over Zoom. Signed a two-year, $6.5 million deal to back up Jan Gomes. He talked in his press conference about how trust with the pitchers is extremely important. He says they have to trust us. I think that's where it starts. Kind of gave some examples of, look, you know, just put the pitch where you want it and trust that your catcher's going to make sure it doesn't get behind them. Gave a few examples. But the Cubs um, all offseason have emphasized defense and pitching. And Bardhart, you know, kind of liked that. And he added, it's not like the coolest, most highlight reel thing to see every day, but pitching and defense wins games. It does. I don't think enough people put an emphasis on run prevention and pitching and defense. So for me, hearing how highly they value that was a big key of making my antenna go up as a place that I wanted to play. So with the addition of Tucker Barnhart, the Cubs have a combined eight gold gloves, right? You had Barnhart with two. The last one is about 2020 was the last time he won one. Uh, Dansby Swanson won one this last season. Cody, Cody Bellinger's won one. Hosmer, like I said, he's won. He's gotten four, but the last one was around 2017. Um, you know, but Ian Happ just won one, and Nico was nominated for one at second, but he's never won one. He's so gonna we, this year, Crowley. He's gonna win one this year. You would hope so, but but you know, <clears throat> strong defense, yes. Uh, pitching, absolutely, and a lot of depth in the pitching, like we've talked about. But the question is, is where the heck are they going to get offense from? I've seen people kind of putting up different um, lineups and constructions because, like I said, I think position player-wise, they're done. You know, there may be like, you know, a guy like a Master Buani or something like that that you just don't even remember is on the roster. Um, but, but they're, 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 you know, in general, they're done. So when you go down and you go down the list and you take a look at it, where do you – plan to get those runs where are you going to get the big crooked numbers you know what a pitcher's best friend other than a double play ball is is the three run homer so that's that's kind of where i just look at this right now and i struggle um one more thing about hosmer dustin and and, and i saw this is is that my guy brett or maybe it was cerami from bleacher nation but one of them remembered you know tweets about hosmer being a bad clubhouse guy which was shocking because the cubs 
have really put an emphasis on high quality, high character guys, whether it's Dan B. Swanson, uh, whether it's Jamison Tyone, uh, you know, any one of these guys are really, really thought of as good clubhouse leadership guys. And so Marcus Stroman actually replied to that tweet. And he <laughs> said about Eric Hosmer, this is what Marcus said. He's an unbelievable human being. Articles written by biased media members incorporating only their own perspective should never be seen as credible. It's how the industry operates and feeds their gullible fan base. No facts, just opinion from those lame media members. So, um... <laughs> That's not all he tweeted, Crowley. I think I shared a tweet that he sent out a little before we recorded this podcast, our buddy Marcus Stroman. Yeah, he, you know, he clearly is not a big fan of the media or, you know, you know, in Twitter. But I, w- I would say that um, Marcus did play with Eric Hosmer in the World Baseball Classic for Team USA. Uh, so they have played together before, and Marcus speaks very highly of Eric. They have a really good relationship. Um, so just kind of something to keep in mind. It, it's, it's, like I said, I, I like the character. I, this is very much like Cleveland, the, the Guardians, except the Guardians have Jose Ramirez. You know what I mean? It, it's that idea of don't let Jose Ramirez beat you. Don't let that guy be the one. You know, if there's, if there's well, Dansby, Dansby, Swan, a combination like they they have to find that guy. But you know, Crowley, it's funny you just mentioned the Cleveland Guardians. I mean, you called in to the Mully and Haw show when I said these signings scream Carter Hawkins. Yep. And where did Carter Hawkins come from? Cleveland. From Cleveland. This screams Cleveland West to me. This screams. Central League Baseball to me. That's what the screams. Screams, maybe you win one game in the postseason. Screams, you can't win a series in the postseason. Screams, Carter Hawkins. Right, and, and, and Carter Hawkins <clears throat> never, you know, he was working for a team that doesn't like to spend money in, in, in the Guardians. So, you know, you would have hoped that, that they would have, you know, like I said, with all the money coming off the books at the end of the season... With Jason Hayward's contract finally done, Hendricks' contract done. Well, they'll argue with you that that's all not till next year now. Right, it is until <clears> next year, but but you're you're basically going to go over the tax for only one season. Right, if you're willing to go over it. Right. Yep. Right, you're well, only it's only going to be a one season deal. But I, yeah, I think yeah, I agree with you though. At this point, there, there's really nothing else to buy. No, and, and if you take a look at what's left, it really is. And definitely not if it's uh, what's the what's the catchphrase of the of the off season? Intelligent, intelligent spending. spending? Yeah, are guys are are guys at Obvious Shirts? Are they making a shirt? Intelligent spending. If they do, I told Mully and Haw I was going to get one for each of them because they seem really on board with the intelligent spending. They they love they love Eric Hosmer as opposed to Trey Mancini. They loved it. You know, again with with Trey Trey Mancini is just someone you look at that potentially has more upside than Hosmer and, and. you know more potential to hit offensively i just don't think that that's in hosmer's game anymore so you know i just don't want to put the pressure on matt mervis it's just absolutely tremendous i don't want to screw up his development i just was hoping for a better bridge and i don't know if we're going to get it so you know in the meantime we'll take a look and see what he can do as far as you know hopefully have a good spring training Hopefully, start out. You know, for me, the thing that I think about and and the, and the is is the difficulty in playing at Wrigley in April and May, and it's every free agent that's ever come in here, especially a hitter. I don't know if you remember years ago, Chris Bryant was doing these Red Bull commercials, and in the commercial, he's dressed up as like a pizza delivery guy, and he's going to uh, 
a fantasy baseball draft and he's delivering the you know these pizzas and red bull to this fantasy baseball draft and nobody's drafting chris bryant and chris bryant is a pizza guy in disguise mm. is talking about how april and may is hard to hit in wrigley so you think about this dustin you think about your young player like matt mervis and you know what a home run is off your bat but how many times in april and may at wrigley field do you see balls that you know any other time are going to be home runs land safely in the glove of an outfielder just way too often man it, it, it happens and so Sometimes guys try to overcompensate, swinging harder, they get thrown off. It's, it's really, really difficult. So it really has to be a, a very special kind of player to excel offensively starting off at Wrigley, especially in, especially in April and May. So if you're telling me like, okay, uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, Mervis, you know, do a month, you know, the month of April in Iowa, which again, it's not like it's super warm, uh, but it, it's not like the pressure of, of, of having to perform. When I talked to Brennan Davis, when we did the interview with Brennan Davis on the last podcast, you know, I talked to him a little bit about the 2020. He was one of the taxi squad players in South Bend. And he basically had to face really, really good pitchers that were way above his level at the time. Edward Alzali, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, right? Guys that were better than what he had faced previously in the past. And what he told me is that when it was that, and there weren't really games, you didn't have to worry about your average, looking at an average and seeing that on a scoreboard or looking at the home run total on the scoreboard and seeing that and people talking about it, right? And so if he plays in Chicago, Matt Mervis, to start off the season, you know he's gonna look at that scoreboard and, and, and if he starts off bad, he sees like a 128 or 201 or something, it's just gonna kind of mess with his head or if he can't hit a home run and everybody's waiting for the, remember Chris Bryant didn't hit his first home run for a while. I think he hit it in Milwaukee, but he didn't hit it for a while. So I am absolutely fine waiting a month, month and six weeks, seeing what Matt Mervis does, seeing what the Cubs are doing at the time. And if, and, and if things are looking good and, this, and the situation is right, then call Matt Mervis up and see what he can do. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two. It's episode two, the Cubs Golden Glovers. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Crawley here interviews Tommy Birch, who covers the Iowa Cubs for the Des Moines Register. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, Tommy Birch, who covers the Iowa Cubs for the Des Moines Register. How are you doing today, Tommy? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Good, good. The reason I wanted to talk to you other than I just like talking to you is that uh, you just wrote a great article for the Register on five offseason updates about Cubs prospects who could be playing in Iowa this summer. It is snowing today when we are recording this here in the Chicagoland area. And all I'm thinking about, Tommy, is spring training and soon baseball starting and trying to figure out, uh, you know, what's going to happen, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's snowing here too. So it's kind of it, it, anytime you can think about baseball, it's a good time, especially during the snow. But it it is a little hard to believe that spring training is just right around the corner. I mean, it's coming up next month. Pitchers and and catchers report, and you know, with the Cubs and just everything that happened in the minor league system last year, there's just so many so many things going on in the off season to keep close tabs on. I think kind of. Some of it may get a little overlooked just because so much of the focus has been on free agency, what the Cubs are going to do, who they're going to sign, what they're looking for, and and stuff like that. 
Yeah, you know, and I'm I'm looking at the clock right now. In one hour, Tommy, I'm buying my tickets for uh, spring training. So I am absolutely excited thinking about that. Now, you know, it was a crazy year for the Cubs affiliates. Uh, unfortunately, you guys didn't make the postseason, but you and I have talked before that that's not necessarily kind of the goal sometimes of, of a triple-A team, you know. Um, but you did get a chance to see a lot of the top-tier talent that is close to making the big club and potentially having a huge impact this season. Uh, in your article, you had a chance to talk to Jared Banner, the Cubs VP of Player Development, for some updates on some of these players. Um, the first one that you mentioned uh, was Brennan Davis. We had Brennan on the show this past week. We uh, had him out to Club 400 along with Cole Franklin uh, a few weeks back. And man, just what a great kid. I absolutely am 100% rooting for this guy. Uh, what did you learn about uh, J uh, Brennan and where you see him uh, kind of starting off this season? Yeah, I think the most important thing was that Jared said that he has no limitations right now, which is a really good sign. Given everything that Brennan went through last year, obviously the back surgery, um, having some soreness during the AFL, the big question was, okay, like, is this something that's going to linger into the offseason and possibly linger over into spring training? Maybe possibly be something that just is kind of lurking there the, <clears throat> the entire time. You know, when it comes to back injuries, those are, those are always tricky. You just never know how a guy – is going to respond to those. So to hear that um, he's a full go, he's been at the complex doing a lot of work, staying busy. It's a really good time because it's going to be a big year for Brennan Davis. Uh, you know, last year was going to be a big season for him starting off in Des Moines, being one step away from Chicago and being in the big leagues. I think the, the expectation was at some point last season, we we're going to see Brennan Davis in Chicago, but um, I, it's obviously not something to overly worry about right now because <clears throat> he is such a young guy. I think people tend to forget that. You know, he was a high school draft pick. He hasn't gotten a ton of at-bats between the COVID-19 year, other injuries they had, injuries they had last year. Um, it's not like there was a huge rush to um, – <clears throat> sorry, I'm kind of battling a little cold um, – there's not a huge rush to get him to the big leagues and see what he has. You know, he's still a young guy, still got plenty of time to develop, but this is going to be a big year in the development process, no doubt about it. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing about it, you mentioned he is still very young and he just has a maturity that's beyond his years. You know what I mean? He, he you know, I don't want to compare him to Jason Hayward, but I'm just talking about that leadership, the quiet leadership quality, the matureness. Uh, that that I see when I when I talk to Brennan and and kind of had a chance to hang out with him. Um, as far as what you saw on the field, the other thing about Brennan, you know, being somebody from Arizona and then going to play in Myrtle Beach and stuff like that, really kind of was his first time playing in the cold, right? Is that you know, obviously in Iowa or whether it's in Chicago, April and May can be real brutal months. So definitely curious to see how he responds to you know being healthy but still having to play in those in that those cold weather games. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Cubs do with that because obviously you want to get them at bats early on and you want to hit the ground running, but you also want to be very well aware of the situation that this is something that it's a delicate type of injury. You know, it's like we said, whenever it's a back, it's, it's something you're always keeping close tabs on. So you know, we've seen in the past where they've held guys out for for the start of the season and triple A and kept them back in Arizona to get 
some more work done. I guess that wouldn't shock me, but I think, you know, I've no inside knowledge when it comes to that. I think a lot of it is going to be dictated on how he's doing, how he's feeling, how he's looking during spring training. But I think that's a possibility. And also, you know, if he's just swinging the bat really well in spring training, just send him to Iowa and just move on and, and see how it goes. Because like I said, at bats experience and, and playing time, is very important for Brennan Davis because he just doesn't have the numbers um, in terms of experience that that you would want him to have by now. Yeah, you know, and 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 the thing about Brennan with his injuries is a, a bunch of them were very fluky. I know he got hit in the head in spring training one time. He got hit in the hand, uh, you know, in 2019. And then this injury isn't a structural back issue. It was a bizarre kind of nerve issue going into the sciatic nerve. So, you know, hopefully everything's okay. But speaking of injuries, one of the worst moments this offseason, as far as those of us that pay attention to the prospects, was the injury suffered by outfielder Alexander Canario, who was playing in the Dominican League, uh, requiring multiple surgeries. Do we have a status update on Canario? What, what, what's it looking like as far as his recovery? Yeah, he's not going to be ready for spring training. I don't think that's a total shock given to anybody that saw the injury and and what he went through, you know, they're once again kind of like the the injury to Brennan. They're going to take their their time, make sure he's how, you know, he's healed, he he's good to go because there really is no rush. Well, that's one spot that the Cubs have kind of a plethora of options right now is the outfield where, you know, it's not like there's a need to fill right now. And he is still a guy that needs. To get more experience, too. I, th- I think he played three different levels last season, end of the year in Iowa. He was a little bit dinged up, too, at the end of that um, that season in, in Iowa, but ended up ending this season on a pretty high note where um, he looked really comfortable and had really adjusted to AAA pitching. So I think the expectation was he was going to start off in AAA again, see how he does, and, you know, if he makes a compelling case, give him a look and – in Chicago at some point, but like I said, there's just no room for him right now. There's no need for him right now. Obviously, you want to have <clears throat> those guys freed up, healthy, ready to roll in case a need arises. Now, um, you know, the, whether that happens or not, um, early on is going to be irrelevant when it comes to Canario because there just isn't a timetable for when he'll be back right now, all I've kind of been told is it's going to be day to day to, to see how it goes. Now, you know, you mentioned the plethora of outfielders that both in the major league level and in the minor league level that the Cubs actually have. He led the minor league system in home runs last year at 37. Um, and he hit six of those in the 20 games in Iowa uh, as he went through the system. You know, I'm just looking, you know, I'm just trying to kind of project into the future a little bit, looking into the crystal ball, you know what I mean? And, you know, Suzuki's anchored in right field, okay? Uh, You got a five-year, you know, four more years left on that deal. You have Ian Happ in his final year before hitting free agency, and then you have uh, Bellinger for center field for, you know, a proven contract, you know, a one-year, one-and-done probably deal for the Cubs. You know, with Canario, he was someone that I saw as potentially being traded for a piece that they would potentially need. But now as I'm kind of looking at this right here, you know, the Cubs need power. That's the one thing when you look at the major league roster is that they don't have power really in the corners like a big slugger. You know what I mean? And so rather than being traded, which, I, you know, something I heard with Canario is potentially him being trade bait. You know, I wonder if the Cubs may potentially want to stick with him and see what happens. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, especially because right now I think there is a need to go out and get anything quite yet. I think he's the type of player that if you do end up shipping him, it's going to be like, okay, we've got a hole to, uh, to plug immediately for we're making a run right now. That's the type of time that you play, you probably trade a blue chip prospect like him. And I think kind of the other guy that we're kind of forgetting about too in the outfield misc, you know, outfield, um, you know, situations, Nelson Velasquez, who, you know, has put up some really good numbers, reminds me a lot of Canario, too, where he's got some legitimate pop, a really good athlete, can cover ground in the outfield as well. Probably not as much pop as Canario, but a legitimate uh, tool, toolsy type outfielder who, who could do some things. Now, is Velasquez going to start off the season as kind of the fourth outfielder? Um in Chicago, is he going to get more at-bats in the minor leagues and start this season in Iowa? That's going to be interesting to see as well. But <clears throat> kind of like what you had mentioned, you know, it's just like there are so many options, not just in Chicago, but in the minor leagues as well, where they've got a ton of up-and-coming talent in the minor leagues, especially at the outfield spots. Right. Now, another player like uh, Canario who went through three levels in the minor league but and did nothing but mash home runs was Matt Mervis, uh, second in the minor league system with 36 home runs, one behind Canario. Uh, he hit 15 home runs in 57 games in Iowa and continued to hit homers in the AFL. What do you think the odds are that he starts in the majors as opposed to starting in the minor leagues? The Cubs just signing Eric Hosmer this week. Yeah, I think that pretty much says it all right there that he's probably going to to start in AAA, barring like just absolutely tearing up pitching during spring training. And even then, it's going to be really tough to say, hey, Matt, you have earned a job in Chicago when you've gone out and signed, um, you know, a left-handed hitting a gold glove all-star caliber first baseman i think the goal is hey we're gonna have eric Cosmer and man that position we're gonna send matt mervis back to the minor leagues and and really figure out like okay was the 2022 season what we're getting from matt mervis going on going forward you know i think obviously he produced at a very high level um was probably the biggest surprise story in all minor league baseball but I think there are still questions kind of surrounding, like, okay, who is Matt Mervis, what he can do, um, <clears throat> what type of future does he have moving forward? And, you know, we saw some of the scouting reports come out in the AFL that were that were a little hard on Matt that kind of questioned, okay, is this guy going to be an everyday big leaguer, an everyday first baseman um, at the big league level, that there were possibly some, some flaws that – scouts and other evaluators were seeing in a swing and knowing they was producing against some some pretty young pitching in the AFL, which is usually, you know, lower level pitching prospects. But he still did it. He still put together a huge season um, last year at all three levels, answered every test. So what I think will probably happen is barring just a monster spring training where he just completely forces the issue is he'll go back to um, to AAA. If he breaks there, they'll call him up, give him a chance, and see what he has. At the very least, you have a nice insurance policy in Eric Cosmer where you are not going out and just handing the job to Matt Mervis house spring training right away and saying, okay, this is your job to, to go and lose. I think that's a lot of pressure put on him. 
Um, but I'm very interested to see what he can do because I'm I'm getting to a point. I'm, I think I'm to a point where I'm a firm believer in what Matt Mervis can do as a hitter. Right. And, you know, I was a little bit worried about that, too, because everyone's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Put put Mervis in first base. I'm like, guys, you realize he had one really good season, great season in the minors. His first one wasn't that great. He's only played there. And to say, like, OK, you're going to be the everyday first baseman. And the other, you know, like you said, puts a lot of pressures on there. And then not only that, but I've seen how frustrating it is for hitters to play in Wrigley Field in April and May. Balls that would easily be home runs, landing safely in the glove of outfielder. So if he starts at Iowa for a couple of months, it is not the worst situation. Nothing, in my opinion, for Cub fans to get super frustrated about. Well, and I think it's a situation that Matt can totally handle too, where, you know, I've, I've had a lot of really good conversations with him where I think he totally understands the situation. This is only going to be his third year of pro ball. And, you know, all, all he has to do is go out and keep doing what he's been doing, and he will get to Chicago. You know, there is a path for him. Now, I, I think he totally understands the idea that it's, it's pretty realistic that you're going to be starting the season uh, back in the minor leagues. It's not like a Chris Bryant situation that, you know, he was fully ready to to break spring training with the Cubs. You know, they they just wanted to to gain that extra season of, of control over him. It's not a situation like that. It's really a situation about showing uh, what you can do and once again proving yourself one more time. And if you can do that, you're going to be in the big leagues. Now, I loved it in your article in the Des Moines Register about the forgotten prospect. Don't forget about Miguel Amaya because it is so easy to, you know, once considered one of the top prospects for the Cubs, he made a couple futures games, you know, and then the COVID season wipes out 2020. He only plays 23 games in 2021 before a forearm strain ends the season. Uh, he has Tommy John surgery that causes him to miss most of 2022. He finally is back with Tennessee towards the end of the 2022 season, and he's about to play in the AFL before foot injury puts a halt to that. Update on Miguel's health, and where do you anticipate him starting in the 2023 season? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up starting. Obviously, the Cubs signed some, look like today the Cubs signed some uh, some depth at the minor league position at catcher. Um, they're so waiting to hear what happens with P.J. Higgins if he clears waivers. Um, if he does, then I would fully expect Miguel Amaya to, to maybe start the season double it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start this season triple A, though, knowing that, um, like, hey, the clock is ticking on him. He has been around for in the system for a while now. Obviously, it's kind of the same situation when it comes to Brennan Davis, that injuries have just kind of uh, derailed his journey to the major leagues. I think we all expected the idea that, hey, last year was going to be the last year for Wilson Contreras, and the hope was that Miguel Amaya probably would have been in the big leagues last season, kind of learning from him, mentoring, um, kind of getting adjusted to, to the big league level and maybe ready to take over that spot. Now, obviously that hasn't happened. And there are a lot of questions about, okay, not only his health, but there has just been so little game action. Like, okay, how good of a hitter is he? What kind of a catcher is he? Those are all fair questions to ask, but it's so easy to forget what he was, who he was, and kind of where he was on track to be that um, 
I think if it, it kind of gets to a point where if he is healthy and productive, like, man, you, you've got kind of like what I had said, the, the forgotten prospect in the system that could contribute in a big, big way long-term. I don't think right now the Cubs are like banking on the idea of like, okay, Miguel Amaya is our catcher in the future. That is the, the absolute game plan. I think in the back of their minds, they're like, okay, it would be great if he could. But the injuries, the, you know, everything, all the time he has missed just kind of tells you like, okay, that's not something we can absolutely count on, bank on, and and hope on right now. If it happens, great. Right. Now, the other piece of the Chris Bryant trade that brought Alexander Canario to the Cubs was Caleb Killian. I was there at his major league debut against the Cardinals in the second half of a doubleheader, and the atmosphere, Tommy, was electric. Um, he pitched really well that night, but then he struggled his next few starts before getting sent back to the minors. Uh, from what you saw from Caleb, what needs to improve to get him to that next step to be a successful major league pitcher? Wow, I think it's just attacking the strike zone. Obviously, that was a big issue for him last year where the walks just piled up. It looked like he didn't have as much confidence in, in some of his stuff. And I think, obviously, from my perspective, I think he was kind of misused a little bit where he was under his really tight pitch count when he was in Iowa to start the season where they were keeping very close tabs on him because – Hey, he is one of the top prospects in the system. He is the top pitching prospect. At the time, there were some really high hopes for him. But then they brought him up and just, you know, um, let him just completely blow through that pitch count where, you know, you talk to anybody in baseball, you know, uh, 70 pitches at triple A um, is not 70 pitches during your first big league start. It's totally different, the the mental and physical grind that you're going to go through. And I think they kind of started to ask Caleb Killian to do different things in Chicago than he had been doing in Iowa. So I think part of it is just getting him back on to what was working for him, figuring out how to attack the strike zone, and getting his confidence back up too. And I think – Towards the end of last season, kind of some of the things I had heard is that maybe Caleb Killing was not 100% healthy and they was just trying to grind through the end of the regular season. So hopefully a fully healthy um, Caleb Killian moving forward can be, you know, great news for him and great news for the Cubs because, um, you know, we talked about Miguel Amaya kind of being the forgotten prospect. Like, I think a lot of ways people have kind of moved on from Caleb Killian, too. Like, I want to say just completely passed over him. But I think a lot of fans just kind of forgot about him in a sense. Like, okay, man, all, all the hope, all the hype, all the excitement just kind of went out the window. But, like, man, it's still early in his career. He's got a ton of intangibles. He's got a ton of great things to really like about him. He's still a young dude. He's still got plenty of time. And I still think he can be a really good big league pitcher. I keep telling people, you know, uh, you know, Justin Steele's been with the Cubs since I think 2014. You know what I mean? Sometimes these things take a little bit of time and there's bumps in the road. It's not always a linear path to the major leagues. So, yeah, you know, sometimes you get the new toys, the Hayden Wisniewski's, the Ben Browns. You draft Kate Horton and all of a sudden, oh, Caleb who? You know, so like you said, hopefully back on track. 
Now, obviously, in an article, you can't put everything you think down, but is there anyone else that you would say that you're really kind of keeping an eye on as far as this season, 2023 season, being important as far as AAA, someone that may have a huge impact on the Cubs that maybe is flying under the radar that isn't as big of a name as some of the other guys mentioned in your piece? Yeah, it's kind of a weird one that, you know, I actually asked about but didn't include, and it's another guy who's on the same level as Miguel Amaya. It's Braylon Marquez, who the Cubs ended up releasing, ended up signing to a minor league deal. Uh, from the sounds of it, they expect, uh, they're hoping he can get back on the mound um, this summer. I really didn't get much details on, you know, where he is at in terms of things, but like, man, at one point he was the top pitching prospect in the system. He was a guy with, the best stuff, you know, the, I've, I've had countless people in the organization tell me like, wow, it's, it's just, it's great stuff. It's electric stuff. It's game changing type stuff. But the question is how often do you get to see that stuff? He's been hurt so much. Um, it seems like it's been one roadblock after another for, for Mark West. So it's kind of in that same boat as Miguel Amaya in the sense that, like, you aren't banking on getting anything out of him. But if you do, like, man, that could be a giant game changer. But that's, like, the guy that I have been so intrigued to see. You know, obviously, he got the the one-game stay in Chicago, I believe, in 2020 during the COVID year against the White Sox, where showed off some pretty good stuff. Um, but ever since then, <clears throat> it's just kind of been trouble after trouble for him on the injury front. So... I've been wanting to see him for a long, long time. I think if you go back and look through like my register stories about like prospects to watch or storylines to follow, like I've been including Braylon Marquez and like every one of them for the past four or five years. So like I'm I'm to a point where I, I just want to see it in person for myself. And there is some hope still being held out that like, okay, there could be something there. I think it obviously is there. It's just, can he get healthy enough to get back on the mound and stay on the mound? Right. Well, Tommy, you know, I appreciate your time kind of spending a few minutes talking with us. Um, people, like I said, can uh, find your work at the Des Moines register in Des Moines. The S is silent as Pat Hughes likes to remind us. Um, where will, where, where could our uh, listeners find you on Twitter? Yeah. At Tommy Birch, it's B I R C H. There's no U in there. So, um, but yeah, all of updates as as we get kind of closer to the season. I think we're going to have some staffing announcements coming up in the next month or so. So should be an interesting uh, interesting run here. We're going to have spring training invites coming out soon. Probably some more minor league deals. So plenty to keep an eye on. Speaking of minor uh, spring training invites, Tommy, are you heading to the desert? I am not, so I'm going to be stuck in Iowa or wherever Iowa State is playing in the NCAA tournament. So um, I want to get out to spring training. I think there are tons of great stories, but um, that's above my pay pay grade to to make the make the decision. If if I could be out there, I'd be out there right now. <laughs> well, Tommy, you know I'm sure we'll be talking to you more as the season goes along. I'm wishing you all the best, and again, thanks for jumping on Fly the W. Yeah, thanks for having me. Keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. 
You're listening to the Fly the W670 Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2, The Cubs, Golden Glovers. The Cubs have added a couple of uh, former Gold Glovers to their lineup. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. Uh, One of the guys that won a Gold Glove last year, Crowley, for the Cubs was Ian Happ. And will Ian Happ, Crowley, be a Cub beyond next year is something we've got to discuss. Right. So the thing that we talked about in segment one was where is the power going to come from? So in this traditional, you know, you always talk about defense up the middle, defense up the middle. So you got your shortstop, second baseman, center fielder, catcher, right? None of those guys that we have, Dansby would be, you know, a a good hitter, but not a masher. You know what I mean? Not a masher in any way. So you're looking to get your power from third base, left field, first base, right field. We talked a little bit already about how first base here's not a, po- a lot of power. And so you need to get your power from right field is say you're going to be able to get more out this year. And then from third base and left field, the one thing that Cub fans that I heard on social media kind of hoping and praying for is uh, Raphael Devers, right? If you know anything about the Red Sox or pay attention to them, they have had a lot of trouble keeping their homegrown talent lately. You saw Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts both heading out to the West Coast. And so Cub fans were kind of just maybe, maybe if Boston screws this up again, the Cubs could swoop in and grab Raphael Devers. (laughs) But he signs an 11-year, $331 million contract. He ain't going anywhere. Now, here's the problem. And this is where it kind of circles back to the idea of power bats. We talked last time about extensions, Dustin, about for Nico and for Ian. And the thing that I mentioned is that for Ian, he's in his final season before free agency. So he is in, he doesn't really have to kind of do anything unless the Cubs come in and blow him away with an offer. He's no longer under team control for 2024. He is able to test the market and the market has looked very rich lately. And so when I decided to what I decided to do after the last podcast is I said, you know what, let's see what the 2023-2024 offseason looks like for outfielders. And what I'm thinking is Ian Happ may be in for a big payday because we know say is in right. We talked about Brennan and PCA in center. What about left and that extension for Ian? I'm going to read you the outfield class of 2023-2024 free agents. This is the class. I'll read the names, and when I'm done, I would like you to tell me, out of all of those guys, would you prefer Ian Happ or somebody else? So let me go down the list really quick here. A lot of these guys were free agents this last offseason and signed one-year deals or deals with opt-outs. So some of the names are going to be familiar. Harrison Bader, Cody Bellinger. Charlie Blackman, Michael Brantley, Mark Hanna has a club option, Michael Conforto has an opt-out, Joey Gallo, Randall Grichuk, Teoscar Hernandez, Max Kepler has a club option, meaning the club club can keep him, Kevin Kiermeyer, Will Myers, Jock Peterson, Hunter Redfro, Eddie Rosario has a club option, Jorge Soler has an opt-out, Michael A. Taylor, and Jesse Winker. Do any of those guys, hypothetically, let's say Ian goes somewhere else, do any of those guys do anything for you? Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader. I mean, you know, you're asking if it does anything for me. It's it's twofold, right? It, uh, um, I, I I could I could live with Harrison Bader. Harrison Bader over Ian Happ. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I gotta know what you know. I gotta know what Ian Happ thinks he deserves. I gotta know what you know what I mean. You know. Let me, um, let me, let me rephrase it. Would you want any of these guys for a four to five year deal? No. No. Nope. 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 I might like Jorge Soler back to be the DH. Yeah, I guess. But when I look at Harrison Bader or any of these guys. Cody Bellinger, obviously, one-year prove-it deal with the Cubs. Charlie Blackman, one-year prove-it deal. Conforto has an opt-out. You know, he was on the market this offseason. Gallo, all these. I mean, Kevin Kiermeyer was out there. How about you? I mean, let's spin it back. I mean, is anybody jumping off the page? What do you? Th- what What was your reaction to Harrison Bader? I mean, I didn't know four or five-year deal. But yeah, what's your? I, I'm, I'm not. I guess I don't. I'm, what I'm looking for is is that there is no free agent out here. That really, I think, tilts the needle to make the Cubs a better team. No, let's say, let's totally say, agree. Totally agree. Yep, right. you're right. Like, yep. If we're talking about three to four games, you know what I mean? And so if Ian Happ, let's just say Ian Happ has an equal or even better season than last season. So all-star, 270 average, 20 home runs. Let's say he gets up to uh, a 290, a 280 average, 20, closer to 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. I mean, he really would be one of the only choices out there for um, for a potential free agent signing last year, right? Yeah. No. You're, I mean, you're you're right. Yeah. I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't argue with you. I mean, I, I think in, it's it might be very good um, thinking on the part of Ian Happ and his team of people. You know, I mean, if you and I have this information, right? They they have this information. They know who potentially Ian Happ would be going up against in that free agent class of 2023. Yeah, the 2023-24 class, I think Ian Happ is, is to me, by far the best of, of the group. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anyone closer. And it still doesn't, I still don't believe it solves the problem that the Cubs need power from somewhere. And the, the most glaring place that you could look at is left field. And All right, so, let me flip the let me flip your question around on you a little bit. The four or five years, okay? And we've also talked many times on this podcast about extensions for Ian Happ and or Nico Horner. So now that we've gotten this far, because you've done some great research, and we're looking at the future corner outfielder class, if you will, are you ready to give Ian Happ five years at what? Eighty million? I'm thinking I'm thinking closer to yeah, anywhere from eighty five to a hundred is what I think he would get. I'm sure he'd love that. I, I'm sure I'm sure he would, but you are you ready to do that? Are you ready to based on what the Cubs also have in the farm system, Crowley, overall, are you willing to give Ian Happ five years? And that and that's and that's where it gets tough is because as you heard in the last segment when I was talking to Tommy Burge, you know, uh, when when you talk about what you have in the farm system, right? And you say there, and you have those three outfielders, when you're talking about PCA, when you're talking about Brennan Davis and Alexander Canario who got injured. And that's where the Canario injury just was absolutely the worst thing that could have happened to the Cubs this off season. Because, you know, again, hoping he was gonna do good in the Dominican, but he's a guy that, you know, as much as everybody talks Matt Mervis, Matt Mervis, he beat Matt Mervis with one more home run, right? So he had 37 home runs to finish first in the Cubs minor league system. Mervis had 36. So a lot of what I was hearing in the off season was that, you know, Canario was going to be shocked, right? 
now I'm starting to wonder if the Cubs may have to rethink that strategy and hope that Canario can tap into that home run power, 25, 30 home runs, and be able to do that in left field. So I don't know if they want to, you know, just keep Ian Happ, see what the season looks like, and if they're, you know, if it doesn't look very good, you know, go back to that process of trying to trade him again, or do you look at, you know, and, and then potentially keeping PCA and Brennan at least, and then seeing what you have in those three guys. But what what is that going to mean for Cubs fans? That's going to mean a couple more years of development, like right. you know. And then you also the other thing it means, Crowley, I think, is that you're really hoping, right? You're really hoping that Bellinger, okay, Bellinger has a pretty good year, and he also wants to stay here because they were the team that gave him the shot, because that would buy you some more time. I I, I don't see it happening. Not with not with not with both PCA Brennan and Canario. I think you got to leave two spots open in that situation. So well, that's a lot. Then you then you better be really good. You better find a you better find a first baseman and a, and a third baseman then. Okay, because got- because you know or or I guess I guess then the next question, the next homework assignment. We got plenty of time for this. I think the next homework assignment is what is the free agent third baseman class of twenty three twenty four look like? It does. It doesn't look that much better. It's similar. It, it's uh, Matt Chapman. Josh Donaldson, who has a mutual option. Eduardo Escobar has a club option. Evan Longoria. Justin Turner, offs, uh, he has an opt-out. Gio Urshela, Joey Wendell. And one interesting name, and I don't know. Let, let's kind of just kind of just put this out in the ether, Dustin. This is, uh, what is this, January 4th? Yes. January 5th? 5th, 5th. Yeah. Manny Machado has an opt-out. <laughs> so let, let's just kind of put that out. And I feel bad because I mentioned in this podcast when we first started, like in late May or something, I mentioned the possibility of Ian going to St. Louis. I was joking. I didn't think it would happen, but it happened. So I need to try to get some redemption here. So I'm just going to put that out there. I'm just going to float that out there. Manny Machado, you know, you got a lot of guys with a lot of money, and are they all performing, and are they all happy, you know? Might, might be nice to have Machado come to the north side. The Cubs were rumored interested when he was originally a free agent in 2018. So let's just kind of sit there and, and, you know, I know that there was some problems and arguments that Machado had with Tatis Jr. and, and other things. If they, let's say, let's say San Diego kind of is flopping and struggling and things are a mess. I don't know how that team can sustain that payroll. And uh, let's see what happens. You know, I would love to see Manny Machado come to the north side. And now you're talking, you know, you know, just watching him this last uh, postseason, man, just to have him at third base and Swanson at second and, and or Swanson at short and Nico at second. Oh, man. So I'm just going to put that out there and let Cub fans dream for a little bit. All right, that's a good way to put a wrap on Season 2, Episode 2, the Cubs Golden Glovers, Crawley. Let's let that one sit and percolate with our uh, listeners. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to this podcast. Follow us on all the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram. Fly the W on Facebook. And don't forget, you can email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crawley, enjoy your uh, final weekend of freedom before you head back to uh, school. I will, and if any news ends up breaking or something we need to talk about, you know we'll be there, and go Cubs! It's all over. 